In the Olympic Village, we had um, obviously all the athletes stay together. I was knocking on Andy Murray's door at 12 o'clock at night. Do you want to play FIFA? That's how childish I was like in my head. I was going to go and hit him, yeah? There was a police van parked onto the right. I went, let's just walk down here, me and you. Right now, we'll have it. This second. When you get geared up for a fight with the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter on the planet, there's not a minute of the day you don't really it's running through your mind. But you don't think he's going to win a world title? He'd never be world champion as long as he's got an O on his ass. Okay. In this sport, everything happens for a reason. And in this sport, it's, a very, it's the only sport you can legally get killed in. This is Up Front with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. And more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode is a boxer born out from a community where we're often told fighting is in the blood. A career that saw 30 wins along the way, with his only defeat coming against Canelo Avarez in front of the biggest live boxing audience in America since Ali versus Spinks. Despite controversy often following him, he went on to become a two-weight world champion at both middle and super middleweight. Billy Joe Saunders, welcome to Up Front. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Nice to see you, mate. One of my favourite fighters. Like you a lot, like the style of your fights. Thank you. Um, got some questions about some of the decisions that you made and some of the fights that you took. Yeah. But what we do, Billy, in these... Um, these discussions because we've one of the fascinating things for me is I love talking to boxers yeah talk to footballers because that was obviously my background but I've got this real love of boxing but we try to start with this sort of rounded question of what is someone's why you come from a community a traveling community which seems to have by reference fighting in its blood yeah walk me through your journey into becoming a fighter and the journey that you went on well, it's going back when I was uh, five years old. Obviously, you've probably heard of Dow Farm. Mm -hmm. I used to live on Dow Farm when I was five years old. Being brought up in the gypsy community, it's not for everybody because, you know, you get these young kids now, if, if they come running and crying to the mum and dad, they've just been beaten up, the mum and dad's out looking. We'd get turned around, chucked back out the door, yep. go and deal with it then. Don't come back in I here. can't agree with that mentality. Yeah. That's how I, I was brought Don't up. Don't come yeah. crying around me. Yeah. Go and deal with yeah. it. And if you want to go and get a beating every day, you know it's pointless going home crying and telling you got a beating every day. I was a little bit different. I was a little bit more outgoing. My brother was who, who can was a very good boxer himself. Right. He was getting bullied. And uh, I remember my mum at one stage, my brother, he lost a load of weight and... One stage, my mum paid someone a fiver and I stood there. And she went, I'll give you five pounds if you go in there, pull my son out and beat him up. Right. This, this is what she said about my brother. And I'm listening to my mum say this to this person. He's only, he was a bit older than me at the time. And uh, do you remember, the, oh, you know the long tube lights? I remember just seeing one sitting near the fence. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, and I, yeah. see, I remember seeing one sitting near the I fence. I love smashing them up when I was a kid at yeah, the factories. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what we probably used to do of them there. But in the end, I remember him walking in to give my brother an eye, and I run and grab one of those, and uh, I chased him off out of it anyway. And um, it was that sort of time then when my dad, you know, started saying, right, we're going to take you to the gym, to my brother, we're going to learn you, just hold your hands up. Was your dad fight, man? My dad, my, I think my dad had 18 amateur fights. Right. I think he won 10, lost eight, but he was more like, I remember being a kid and watching um, 
a Prince Nazim Ahmed yep. Eubank box. He loved boxing non-stop. He just loved boxing. Because your grandfather was a bare-knuckle fighter, right? Years ago, my granddad, yeah. Absalom Bean, they called him. Yeah, he yeah. used to be out and he, you know, he loved his goals. He was known for jumping yeah. out having a fight. Yeah. Um, when my brother went to the gym, I remember I went to Cheson Amateur Boxing Gym and uh, we went in there. And I remember going in there the first time and off, I just remember walking around and punching a bag and, you know, just messing around with the kids really more than anything. And my brother, obviously, he went and he took to it like real, real good. Mm -hmm. Within like weeks, he was like flying. And I was just still... Is this the brother that was being accused of being a coward earlier? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. You know, and um, I remember getting the gloves on, sparring. And I didn't really like the training side, but when I got in the ring sparring, I just remembered like it was like a bit of a energy buzz, yeah. and it was sort of a feeling that oh, you can all I can always remember the first time I put my gloves on the spar. It was just like no other feeling like I'm in there. Right. Basically, I'm allowed to have a fight now. How old like, were you then? I was seven. Right. So young. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since then, I just loved it. Like just. Was there any other sports for you at the time, or was it simply no? I was you, a good you found boxing, and that was it. I was a good footballer. I right. used to get. I only went. Listen, from our where where we come from, you don't get much of an education. You're not really allowed much what, of an from education. From the travelling community, that wasn't yeah. part of the the, the job. From the travelling community, yeah. yeah, like all of the travelling community, you see all these young kids. You know, they're all married at 17, 18, mm -hmm. and you know. Yeah. But when I was when I I went to school until I was eleven. But all the way in my primary school, I was the number one football player. Like if I got right, if I got a bit of detention at the time, I could half bend the teacher over because he used to love football. Yeah. And uh, we used to go around and play the other primary schools, and I used to go with him. He used to pick me up as well. And I wasn't a bad footballer, but boxing it was just something a bit, a bit more satisfying. But was it myself. kind of set in stone for you, Bill, that this was the direction if you were going to do sports? with the influences around you. I, mean, I suppose the question is, was there a lot of value in the community that you come from put on being someone that could hold their hands up, someone that could fight? To be honest with you, you have to learn to hold your hands up in the travelling community. Yeah. Even to this day. Because you see some of these other, you know, big families, you know, they might have someone who's had an argument in this family and the individual who's had an argument might not be the best of his name. So they go, all right, well, hold up. We got, I don't know, John here. He's, he can fight. He'll fight you just because of their names. So it's very important to learn to hold your hands up because you never know what's going to happen or when you're going to need to fight. When you when you got in there, did you know from the outset, I can do this. I'm pretty good at this. I fancy it. I know you told me that it was an adrenaline shot and it got you going and it, it, it gave you a lift when you were in the ring. But did you look at yourself and think, I've got something going on here? I, I, I'm actually pretty good at this, and this is something I could do pretty well. Out of my first uh, amateur fight, I was 11, and I stopped him in the first round. And I remember, like, I just believed so much I was going to be world champion then. Like, Did you? Yeah, I just knew I was right. going to be world champion. I don't know what it was. I just knew that I was going to earn a few quid and be world champion. Did you ever have any doubts? Was it always belief all the way? Because Johnny Nelson spent his time... Something dropped in his mind and clicked. I think it was probably after the Carlos de Leon fight and some of the humiliation that he felt afterwards with the ridicule that he got. Um, that there was a sense of not deserving to be there or more to the point, having a crisis of confidence. Anything ever manifest itself in you? Are you just that single-minded that whatever you decide you're going to be good at, and in this instance, boxing, 
End of discussion. That's what I'm going to do. That was, there was no doubt. I remember like Terry Edwards, Jim Davison used to um, take the 2020, uh, 2012 squad development and podium. And I remember Jim Davison, I was won everything as um, as a junior. And it was just time for me to turn senior. I just turned 17 and I was wiping the floor of every one of them there. I boxed Anthony a go-go. Um, yeah. And yeah, I remember I having on a club uh, show with him. And we had an old uh, matchmaker called Charlie Bliss. He's an old fella, God love me. He's when I first started from the Chesant Boxing Club, he would not turn down a fight for me and my brother with anybody. And my trainer, Danny Oi, my amateur coach, he went, Charlie, like, he's, you know, he's a bit heavier than him. He went, like, he's five kilo heavier. He went, yeah, that's okay, he said. That's no problem. When I got there, he made me put two, four, two, two kilo and two kilo weights in each side of my shorts. And I still weighed a kilo and a half lighter than him. So I jumped on the scales. He pulled me off, got me out there. He said, right, go and get some food in you now, he said, and be nice and strong. I, 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 but I didn't look at him and think, oh, he's massive after me. I just looked at him. I took his belief, but he's doing this. Yeah, no problem. I went in there and beat him. And um, and from then, my confidence just grew and grew and grew and grew. And, and especially when I went on the from the development to the podium, I mean... Terry Edwards said to me, look, he said, um, Neil Perkins, he was the number one. He won the uh, world bronze. He boxed all over the world. But this was my, I knew this was my chance that he asked me for sparring from the number one Neil Perkins at 69 kilo. And I thought, right, if I, I need to go in here and need to, you know, do a bit of a job. And I went in, I sparred very, very well, very well. And then he said, like, come back again Friday. And I went back again Friday and sparred so, well again. How did that, you know, you, you had this ambition to get to the Olympics, but you have a second round exit in the Olympics. How's yeah. that plan in your mindset? Do you know what? If I would have been, and I know a lot of people say, Simon, I could have done this, I could have done that. The Olympic silver medalist and gold medalist were the Cuban and the Kazakhstani. Yeah. I beat both of them 10 weeks prior in the Bulgaria in a, a competition they call called Stranger Cup. Right. And I went to the Olympic Games, bit of Billy the Big Bollocks, really, thinking I'm just going to turn up here and I'm going to I'm going to yeah. win the Olympic gold. And that was my mindset there. I was too confident, and I was thinking I've just got to turn up here and I, I beat the I beat the, the Cuban already and I've beat the um, Kazakhstani. I'm just going to, you know. I remember this is how immature I was. In the Olympic Village, we had um, obviously all the athletes stay together. There were Andy Murray in there and uh, his brother. And I, Jamie, was yeah. Jamie, I was knocking on Andy Murray's door at 12 o'clock at night. Do you want to play FIFA? Like, he's playing the next day. That's how childish I was, like, in my head. You'd be able to hang around Jaden Sancho. Do you know you? what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just it was just stupidness. But looking back at it now, if I would have won gold in Olympic Games, I don't think I would have done as well as a pro. Are the coaches saying to you, uh, hang on, Bill, you know, get your mind right, get your focus right. Is that, or are you just a launch yourself at that point? Look, I'll, I'll be, I nearly actually never even went to Olympic Games. I nearly got sent home even before the Olympics even started in Macau training camp. Me and Frankie Gavin, we were, uh, he was struggling with the weight. So we wasn't allowed out of the Olympic training camp. And me and Frankie decided to um, steal two jet skis. Right. Outside of the hotel and then, we thought these people were looking at us and like chasing us. So then me and him's doing moonies to them going across the <laughs> sea and it, it happens to be the Sun newspaper and uh, right. someone else. 
So they identified it was me and him. And then he came into the room and went, look, the head coach come and he said, look, Billy Joe, they're sending you home. You're yeah. not going to Olympics. You're not representing the country. And I'm thinking, what, what, what have I done? I've only... I didn't realise some. I do, as you can tell, some some of the things I've done is very stupid. What we'll probably mm. get onto, yeah. and being young, I don't know if it was lack of education, lack of I don't know, a bit hyperactive. I don't know what was in my mind at the time, but when they said I was going home from the Olympics, I thought, oh shit, mm. like fucked it all, eh? Yeah. And then it hit home, and then Frankie Gavin, to be fair, couldn't make the weight, and he went, look. I take the strain here. I can't make the weight anyway. You carry on. So I'll never forget him for that. Mm. You know, but um, that was the story of the Olympic Games. But did yeah. um, when you knocked on his door, did Andy Murray open it? He just told me to like, fuck off, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was more or less along them lines. I can't remember what was said, but it was like, what are you doing? Bam, door shut. So you come out, you turn pro, and you have a successful start to your pro career. And you go on about a 21-fight winning spree. Um, you beat Nick Blackwell. Uh, and a bunch of other people to get to the British and Commonwealth titles. Yep. And then you get fed up and pissed off. Yeah. And your dad steps in, doesn't he? Yeah. We all had them. You've probably had it yourself. In life, that, yeah, we all had that yeah. talking to. Yeah. And um, sometimes we need it. Well, what, what brought it on? I mean, you, you're telling me, right, that you're full of it, right? You you believe that you could do whatever you set your mind to. And so you're setting your mind to certain things, right? And you took the Olympic Games. You took, you're a bit too complacent, got a bit too carried away with yourself and lost the fight that you should have won, right? And probably gone on and won a gold. But you actually say, with a benefit of hindsight, that was a good thing because it might have been my undoing. You go into the pro game and you're going through it at pace. You're undefeated for 21 fights. You're, in, you're on the cusp of being someone quite significant. And all of a sudden, something clicks in your mind. I don't fancy this. It, in my own, in my mind, Simon, it's a very, it, it works very strangely and bizarre. And I remember like winning the British title, like I'm saying, beating John Ryder and Nick Blackwell. And I remember damaging my hand and had an hand operation. Yeah. And I remember I put on a little bit of weight and I was, um, I just got, I don't know what come over me. I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to go and do something else. I don't know what I was going to do. Right. Probably be in prison or something. I'm not quite sure what I was going to do. Let's be honest. I'm not. I don't know what I was going to go and continue to be successful. But I just had enough. And then I thought, do you know what? I was bored, and I just had a. Because sometimes I say stuff to like my dad to upset him and to wind to get a rise out of him. Yeah, yeah. just. To, yeah. And I remember my dad saying to me, "Cool, you put some weight on. You put some weight." So I went and seen him, and I said, "You know what?" I said, "I think I'm just going to jack it in now." I said, "Like I've, you know, I won the British title and that." And and he looked at me. He went, "Well done." He went, "Yeah, good." Go and buy yourself a truck and go and put some scrap on the back. He went, mm. that's the best thing for you to do. So uh, go on, fuck off, he went. And I thought to my own self, and I walked out, and I, do you know what? I wanted to give him a load of abuse back, but I thought, hmm, I've got to make him right. Mm. Like, he, like, he's a good boy, one mm. word. And see you later then, crack yeah. on, see how far you level, get. son, is that yeah. what you want to do, yeah? yeah? And then I thought, hmm, all right, no problem. Then I thought, do you know what? I'm going to have one more. And then that's when I got fit to box Eubank. Yeah. Because I was only going to fight him, give yeah. the belt to my dad and go, there you go. Yeah. But then, obviously, like Frank's very good. Frank's the best. Like, he'd get you, yeah. yeah, he get you in. You get in a meeting with him, yeah. and mm. and then I just can took to it again. I didn't fall out of love with it. I just got a bit sick of the politics. Being what? Well, at the time, Martin Murray was um, was the number one, and I wanted to be up there with the big boys. Impatient. Looking right. back on it now, I was. I wanted to. I wanted everything. Young. Yeah. But Bill, was it about winning things or was it about getting paid? I can honestly say 
I've never, ever, ever once stepped foot in the ring and my right hand to God and thought, I'm getting some money. I'm getting a nice few yeah. quid now. It's never entered my mind. Obviously, after when you box and you of got, course. you know, and then... It's part of it. Yeah, then, yeah. You, you know, but I've never thought, oh, yeah, like, well, I'm boxing. It's not your main motivator. Yeah, it's never It comes been. with a territory. If yeah. you're good, you get paid, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. never, ever been. That's never entered my mind thinking, oh, I'm getting this much money. Obviously, in negotiations, you leave it with lawyers and your team to get the maximise yeah. what you can get. And that's this business. But it's price it. fighting. There's no, there's no implied criticism. I'm just trying to understand because I've always believed, and with the footballers that I, that I had at times, I used to say to them, be good at what you do and the money will follow. Yeah. If you're good at if, I've not met a successful pauper. Yeah. You're going to make dough. You're yeah. going to be successful and you're going to get paid. But be good at what you do first. So I was just trying to establish in your mind's eye some people fight simply for the motivation of the financial gain. Some people play football for the financial gain. Other people do it because they want to be really good, better than the other fella. And, and 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 get something from it that's different than just the rewards that will come anyway. Yeah. And at the time, they were Frankie Gavin, James DeGale and me turned over yep. a Frank. And I think we all, like Junkie was a bit about the money and he was, you know, oh, yeah, I got yeah. this much, you got that much. And like... But he did well though, James. Did oh, he did very well. And yeah. He's a lovely fellow, uh, Chunky is. And uh, Frankie Gavin. I remember thinking I was always playing catch up. Not in money, in performances, yeah. I watch them fight and I think, right, I want to steal the show here. And we probably all bounced off each other mm -hmm. for that when we was all on the same show. So it all kept us on our toes. And it, that's, that, probably that manifests in my head. And I just had that all the way through my career. I've got a box well here. And, um, so yeah. you brought him up. So I'm going to bring him up now because I was going to anyway. Eubank. And obviously there was a bit of rancor and a bit of um, toing and froing between you and him. Um, I think he thinks he won that fight. Yep. Um, What's your take on him? When Eubank first got into the sport, turned pro, I'm not sure if it was, it could have been Twitter. I tweeted him when he first turned over. I tweeted him just a silly little message. Yeah. Just a silly little message because obviously I knew that his dad and I knew that obviously like he's going to, you know, he'll carry some weight for well, a, a diggy message. Yeah, just yeah. a little diggy one. And yeah. I, remember, I remember I boxed in Manchester and... I see him out. I was with three or four of my mates. He was with four or five of these mates. And we bumped into each other. And we started having an argument. And I says to him, and if he's watching, he can, he can state if I'm a liar, but there was plenty of people in there that knows. And he was, like, calling names. So I went to go in. I was going to go and hit him, yeah? Yeah. And I said, right, the best thing is to do, I said, there was a police van parked onto the right. I went, let's just walk down here, me and you. It hasn't got to be all of us, me and you, and we'll do it now. Right yeah. now, we'll have it. This second. And uh, he went, oh, no, we want to... And he was sort of like, he was winding me up, if I'm honest. And I remember one of his... I think it could have been Harlem. I'm not sure if it was Harlem. It could have right. been. He had the video on, and he went, don't worry, Chris, if he if he strikes you, his paycheck's gone from what he boxed tonight. Well, something like that right. was. But, look, I didn't want it to come to that. No. Obviously not. But... You know, you got a bit of you got you got two yeah. young cubs there and yeah. you know, they it could have easily went the other way. And I just remember from then I just turned to thinking, Do you know what, you're not a man and I knew he was a bit of a fraudster because if he would have said to me, Walk over here Yeah. I would have walked over there. And that's where yeah, I But knew it wouldn't have been a good thing to do though, would it? It wouldn't have been, but yeah. at the time, Simon, you know, very young, very yeah. naive, very dumb. It was like, all right, well, we're sorted like men. Like, yeah. hell, I'm used to sorting things as being a kid, mm. like, in, in a way, I suppose. Oh, the cobbles, yeah. And probably, he probably did have the sensible ahead not mm. to. 
So I can thank him for that. Yeah. But as a person, he's just he's just an arrogant, you know, he's just a very arrogant person who my I just couldn't click with his personality and I can get on with anybody. What do you think of him as a fighter? I mean, I've it's not my place, but I've said it and I know that there's a an attitude if you haven't laced up a set of gloves and I couldn't do what you guys do. Right? I don't have the temperament for it. It's not because I'm frightened of it. It's just not my game. I, I love the sport. I admire it and I respect it. But I called him a charlatan and the reason why I called him a charlatan is because I, I, I watched that to be honest. Did you? Say it, and and, say and the, it, yeah. my point behind it was is that I don't want to listen to you tell me the world titles that you're going to fight for that you never fight for. I don't want to hear about your Las Vegas mansion and how much money you've made. I want you to fight real fighters and get on to winning a world title like you tell us that you're good enough to do because every time you've stepped up to it, you've gotten beat. Billy Joe Saunders beat you. George Groves beat you. And you fought Chunky. You fought James DeGale when James DeGale was all done. And well, I, I've said it from day one. He will never be world champion. Is that because you don't like him? No. Or is that because you don't think he's got no, the capability? No, I'll tell you the reason why. Simon, because I've been in the ring with him. Yeah. That's the reason why. I know the difference between, between like, your David Lemieux's, why I can see why they were champion, yeah. your Andy Lee's, why they were world champion, even John Ryder. Yeah. But when I was in there with him, at the time, I had, because by the way, they're an absolute nightmare to do business with, a nightmare. Who with him and his dad? Him and his dad were an absolute nightmare to do business with and and that's the do you know what the biggest thing was put me off fighting him is doing the business deal because even though the money's good and the money's great and you know listen I want to earn a few quid he wants to earn a few quid but the silly pettiness what comes with that right when I come in people can't be in the room when I walk into a press conference he's right. got to be in there first and you know I've got he's got to stay there while I get up and leave it was just Simon listen this was a joke mm. I've never seen a contract like this in my life I think he's okay. He'll never be world champion. My initial thought of uh, the first fight with um, Liam Liam Smith yep. is that Liam was on the ball. I've, my honest opinion, yep. I, I like Liam and I like all the Smiths. I think yeah, Smith got a few quid. He got a little bit comfortable. Yep. And he chucked himself in the deep end when he shouldn't have done that. And mm. when I say chuck yourself in the deep end, I don't mean in the fight. I mean right. On the second fight. I've had two year off. Yeah. I can't expect to get in the ring probably right this second now with, you know, let's pick up with even Eubank, let's say, yeah. because I want to give myself a fair chance and a fair advantage. Yeah. So I know my body and I know what I need to do to get it right. My opinion has changed of Eubank a little bit. I've been quite harsh, insofar as my opinion is relevant, I've been quite harsh on the fact that I think he's a charlatan. I think he's a little bit of a all flash for cash merchants. Yeah. But I also think he's a, he is very charismatic. He's a brilliant speaker. And he, he's created so much juice around him. And my observation is, for someone that's not really won very much, because I sat there listening to him thinking, no, you're not for me. You talk a good game, but when it comes down to it, you don't do it. You, 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 know, you go in a fight, you want to emulate what Roy Jones Jr. does, and you're not Roy Jones Jr., so you don't have a mind of your own. You've got that Eubank sort of attitude yep. and arrogance. And I, I don't know if it's arrogance, but it's a, a feeling of extreme belief. Yeah. But I've I've changed my my attitude to hold towards him a little bit. Are you still in the space where you're not having him at all? No, me and him will never be friends. Let's yeah. say we'd never celebrate, you know, anything together. But what I will say is, he knows how to sell himself. Yeah, and in this sport, part Simon, of it is that you either be the superhero yeah. or the villain. Yeah. Sadly, I probably chose the villain in a way. 
the thing is, if you don't go down that route, you don't earn any money. Yeah. And I know it's, it's a hard thing to say, you know, because it's setting examples yeah, got to, to all these a, young fighters. You've got to create a reaction in the people that are watching you. You know, you? when these fighters now are bringing out content, yeah. you know, come and watch me train and, you know, doing YouTube videos of them training. That's lovely. That's, that's brilliant. But no one's interested. You know, no one's really interested yeah. in that. The, the fans ain't interested in that. They want to see a bit of controversy and, you know, a little bit of shit in the face probably or something like that. I'm not quite sure. But they just that that there now, boxing, to get any money out of it, you have to be one, you have to you can you're gonna have to fight. And you bank can fight. Yeah. You bank can fight, but he just can't box. Right. That's the problem. He can fight but he can't box. I mean Eubank is when we were going back 24, 25, like a wind up toy, you could get him fit, wind him up, let him go, and yeah. he'd go all day. Yeah. Now we're at the stage of 33, 34, where you've got to learn to pace yourself, pick yeah. your punches, flow around. No disrespect to Liam Smith, but he was no different than a punch bag. In the second fight. In the second fight. Because yeah. mm. he couldn't throw anything, whatever his back problem. He couldn't let a shot go. You could see it wasn't him, but, you know, Newbank just walked around and on his back foot, pick, poke, pick, poke, broke him down and put a few combinations together and that was it. Well, you don't think he's going to win a world title? He'll never, ever, ever be... I'll have a... I'll tell you what I would do with you, Simon. I'll have a bet with you now and I'll give you two to one and I will pay me bets. <laughs> well, not like yeah. judges all, yeah. I will pay me bets. Yeah. I'll have a... You know, a gentleman's bet. He'll never be world champion as long as he's got an O on his ass. Okay. All right. You know, he, he just won't. Following on from the Eubank situation, I'm going to skip through other fights... And I'm going to land you um, with Alvarez in a second. You're now you're now at a stage where you're a world champion, and I imagine winning a world championship can change your, your view. But I think you're pretty confident anyway. When we talk about levels, how good do you think you were? When you get geared up for a fight with the best pound for pound fighter on the planet, you go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. You'd be walking around. There's not a minute of the day you don't really it's running through your mind. But I've never really, you know, put this out there because, you know, I have my strength and conditioner coach there, I have my nutritionist there, I have my trainer there at the time was Mark Tibbs. I had uh, Tom Watts there who obviously helps manage me. Four weeks before that, I pulled my hamstring. I don't know if you see a video of me running in a swimming pool, getting ready for that fight. No, I was running no. on a treadmill, water treadmill. Right, okay. And... Is that because you'd pulled a hamstring? I pulled a hamstring, yeah. Right. And... It affected my sparring. I couldn't start my sparring. And then sort of like when you're getting ready for a fight like that, every because I'm I'm a warrior anyway. When I fight, I, I've i lost in my own head 50 times thinking what happens here. Like every fight, I don't know who it is. Right. Think about the defeat. Do you? Every fighter thinks about the defeat. So the last thing you want to do, I don't care all these fighters come in, oh, yeah, I don't ever think. They're laying in their room and they're thinking, oh, I could get beat here. This is the... I, I don't want to lose this. I'll give anything now. I've actually got on a plane before and I remember before the plane taking off and I prayed to God and I, it was a bit selfish to do. God, if I'm going to lose this fight, let this plane crash. But that's the sort of difference between winning and losing means at that level. Yeah. Life or death. But it's a strange mindset to have because uh, Frochi said that when he started as a fighter and, and he went for a period of time being a decent amateur that he was terrified of embarrassing himself. And then once he got past that, he used to say that he was in a dressing room and he wanted to get out of there and wanted to be somewhere else because he was worried about the consequences of losing and embarrassing himself. But once he got into a situation where he established what he was, 
he believed he could win every single fight and never even priced into his thinking that he was going to lose you believe, anything. Of course you do. You believe in everything. Every fight I've gone into, I went in believing I can win. But so why are you thinking about... Cause so what, what was the driver then to you thinking about losing then? Because that always goes through every fighter's mind. Because I'll tell you the reason why, Simon, not only that as well. When you go into a fight, you can be from the touching of the stars and, you know, getting a, you know, a nice few quid as well because it comes with the job. Yeah, yeah. But when somebody loses, it's like they're forgot about. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. You know, it's yeah. like um, you, you forgot about completely. Until they need you again or yeah, something yeah. pops along like that. So that's the, you know, that's the way of my... And every fight I've had, like, friends, I've had a, like... And these fighters now, even, you know, even Tyson Fury, when you have a chat to him. You know, it's... When you have a chat to him, that always goes through their mind. What happens now, like, if I lose? So you're sort of, in a way, putting a barrier up to scare yourself not to lose, if, yeah. I'm, if you know where I'm coming from. It's just some people may manifest in a different way, but that's the way I put it in my head. Right, what if I lose here? This is not going to be good. Like, I'll come to a stage. And the worst bits was when you were fighting for the Commonwealth, European, British. Yeah. Because when you lose at that level... Yeah, we have got nowhere else to go, have you? It's very yeah. tough to come back to make anything. And I say, even the fighters I look at now, I say, look, not putting no pressure on you. I'm just telling you the truth. If you lose and anyone can get beat, it's a hard road back, and it is. I've seen fighters. Look at John Ryder. Mm. You know, he's a world-class fighter, but mm. he got beat at them stage. Look how long it took him just yeah. to get, you know, back seen as a, a world opponent. Fighting Alvarez, all that goes with him and the reputation. He'd been in with seven other British fighters, you know, whether it's Rocky Felding, whether it's Callum Smith, whether it's whoever else that's been in with him, Matthew Hatton and, and, and on and on we go. Seven British fighters went before you and each one of them has been sent back. Um, did any of that price into your thinking? Because I listened to you and I was in the camp. I thought you could win this fight. I quite fancied you. I thought it was a difficult one for you. But I felt that there was a chance that you could go and do what you needed to do because I think you had quick feet and I think yeah. he doesn't like that. And I felt that if you could get yourself into the fight, there would be an opportunity for you. But for you going into that fight, you walk into an, an environment, there's 73,000 fans. This is the I biggest... I think there were more. Was there more? They recorded it at 73, but let's just say it was big, right? But it was the biggest audience in American boxing history since, as I said in the opening, Ali Fox fights Leon Spinks. It's a crowd that's completely partisan against a champion that people now believe is unbeatable. Did, you, did it enter into your minds... Okay, no, I'm going in here with someone that's really quite significant. Or do you just think, this is the business I'm in, I'm a world champion, I'm coming here, I'm on parity with him? Do you know what, Simon? It's probably the least nervous, the least nervous I've ever been. Is that because you could suffer the loss because it would be explainable? No, it was, I'll tell you what it was, because it don't get any bigger. Right, right okay. Because it don't get any bigger. Like, I thought, okay. Like, it don't get any bigger. Now, this is the best, meet the best. Like, if I'm good enough, I'd do it. And do you know what it was? When round one came out and I was the bell went, I remember being in the ring, set back down, and then I thought, right, well, that round there, like, I've, I've won that round. And I'm set down again. Round two come out. And when we come to round three, I thought, was this it? In what way? I was expecting more. In what way? Well, I was expecting him to be... More of a beast, more of because obviously when you're fighting someone like this, yeah, and every fight they visualise what's going on. Like you're expecting, you're going in there with the absolute monster of the monsters yeah. of the monsters. And when I was in there, 
And I come away of that fight with great confidence in a way, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Because I never once felt out of depth. Yeah. I never felt like I was in trouble at any stage. I never felt like I was being outboxed. Listen, he had a lot of success in there. Mm -hmm. At times in some of the rounds, I think I shared and success. And you were beginning to yourself. And I remember in round six, in at the end of round six, I thought to myself, he's fading, he's fading out now. Right. And I remember seven, eight, and nine, I was thinking, right, I'm going to push him on now. Yeah. And obviously, seven, I come out at a decent round, and the eighth round, I got caught with the shot. And I'll never forget it. When I come, I went, I kept ducking low, but what he is very clever at, Canelo, he's very, very clever at letting you get away with stuff early. Yeah. And capitalising the later rounds. He let you get away with something for one, two rounds. Right. Let you get away. My mistake, I was ducking to my left because I thought, right, I'm missing every time now. He's missing with that right hand every time I duck low and I come with a body shot and get around him. And I remember ducking down and it was more like a palm. And I can remember, I thought, right, I'm, I thought I was wobbled. I thought, you wobbled here. And I went back and I thought, oh, you're not wobbled. And then all of a sudden it was just like, you could literally see free. And he was in the ring and he did this. He put his hands up like this. Yeah, I saw him. Because yeah. he saw, he, yeah. he, he, knew, yeah. he obviously listened. He knew you were in trouble, didn't he? He yeah. knew I was in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember for a minute. Because like, he called on the crowd, didn't he? There was a minute yeah. and 13 seconds left because I watched it back. And I can just remember Simon's wind going. I could just hear the wind because I couldn't really see him with this eye. And uh, obviously when I went back to the corner, um... Mark was saying, Ben looked through the car. He said, right, your eye's gone. He said, I said, look, no, I'm all right. I said, I'll switch orthodox. And Mark Tibbs went, one more round, he went, I'm going to give you. And I thought, I'm going to have to go out orthodox. Mm -hmm. And then I remember Ben grabbing me and Ben looked at Mark and he went, Billy Joe, he said, your eye's gone. He's got it. He said, look, if we stop it now, he said, we can get a rematch. I said, again, I yeah. said, just let me just, just give me. He said, Billy Joe, no, I'm not letting you do it. He said, in my I'm not letting you do it. And I thought, do you know what? At the time, because you get criticism with people, oh, he quit on his stool, he's this, this, that. But well, you opened yourself up to that, though, didn't you? Yeah, but look. Because you had a go at uh, Daniel Dubois, didn't you? I had a pop at Daniel Dubois, yeah, but there's a difference. I would never, ever, I could have easily went on one knee there yeah. and not got up. I, I yeah, carried but to on. Be, to be fair, Bill, his, his trainers, you were lucky. Your trainer put you, took you away from that position. He did. His trainer didn't, did it? He, he didn't, no, he didn't. And I can honestly say, I did have a pop at him. And I probably did put myself in that position. But knowing what I know in the corner and what, you know, when people say slag you off, I'm thinking, do you know what? They can have their opinion. Yeah. My team and that know what's what. Yeah. I know what's what myself. And because I was choked, I was watching it, and I was it was five o'clock in the morning, and I was watching it on his own. And I was I was getting up there sitting there, I was thinking, right, he's getting in the fight now. He's looking sharp. You know, his feet are moving well. And, and okay, Canelo looks like he's, you know, landing some decent shots. He's had some decent body shots, and he's getting a bit. Do you know Closer. what, though? I've never, in that fight, all the way through it, Simon, I didn't even feel so much as a, all the way through it, I just didn't even feel not so much as one shot, not a jab. I know that sounds silly. It might have been where the crowd would have been so high and buzzing mm. so high, like, you, you're you're up there. But I didn't feel so much as a, a jab. Like, it was so enjoyable at that stage. Like, I know it's right. a weird thing to say, but it was just so enjoyable. But I, I look back sometimes and I think... Why did I have to get caught with that shot yeah. now? Like, why at that stage there? Why? What's wrong? I'm I'll never go. I think I'm as hard as nails. Like Joe Joyce probably yeah. thinking again. Yeah. But in this sport, everything happens for a reason. In this sport, it's a very. It's the only sport you can legally get killed in, and that comes with the game. Yeah. You know, and I take me off to him. He was a better man on the night. Do you look at 
back on anything right now, as it stands now, 31 fights, 30 wins, two well, two titles at different weight classes. Do you think you wasted any of your talent? Because you're a natural talent. You've got a natural boxing IQ, haven't you? And you've got a natural talent, natural balance. You're, I think you're a very elegant looking fighter. You're very stylistically right. And a southpaw to boot, which is always a handful of problems for most people. Do you look and think, I, can, I could have done a bit more. Do you know, my take on it, Simon, is that I've always done what I wanted in boxing. And I remember sitting down with Frank Warren and the first word out of my mouth was to Frank Warren, how long is it going to take me to earn a million quid? Because I set in my mind... I thought you said it wasn't about money. No, but when I first started being a young kid, don't forget, Frank Warren said to me before I went to Olympic Games, I'll give you 80 grand not to go to Olympics. And I said, no, I want to go to Olympics. Mm. So it wasn't about the money, but when you're used to, you know, living in a 19-foot caravan with a stove heater in it, laying up the floor with a, a window, with a plastic bag. It's a gear change, isn't it? <laughs> as a window where you're freezing cold. It helps, mm -hmm. you know, especially when you haven't never seen it before, had it, and then they're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm turning pro, and I'm, I'm looking at Frank Warren. I'm thinking, this is the man what made Ricky Allen. This is the man what's made Joe Kozaki, Nazim yeah. Ahmed, all this money and there's and everything an, else. An like this, was, here, yeah. it's excitement. And I said, how long is it going to take to earn a million quid? And he went ten years. And I thought, fuck me, that's long. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, like I remember thinking, hang like, on a second, you've got a caravan, you've got no stuff, yeah, you've got no reason. All I, I, of a sudden, I, you're complaining about yeah, a million what quid. I'm thinking of uh, it's just that. It, do you remember me telling you I wanted the titles now? Impatient, impatient, yeah, yeah, impatient. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting to be like four or five fights and I remember my pro debut, I looked at Jimmy Tibbs, there was the English title on at my weight, at middleweight, I went, I'll fight him next. Jimmy went, you ain't even had, you, you're fighting your pro debut in half hour. Like, what do you mean? I said, I'll fight him next. I forgot who it was now, it was um, someone from Birmingham. And I remember I'd absolutely stand him on his head, I was thinking, like, that's how hard his fought. So when I sat and think about, could I have done more? I probably could have. But at the same time, I'm not one of these fighters what can't string a sentence together. And I think everything happens for a reason. I'm not one of these to sit and think, oh, I could have, I could have boxed another ten times, mm -hmm. but I also could have had brain damage. When you look at the um, the perception of you, I'm going to move you into the sort of troubled area where you get yourself into some ridiculous scrapes, right? Seemingly, um, what do you think? What do you think the perception of you is? It's a bit like Marmite, isn't it? I do. I've I've been seen doing an handful of bad stuff and stuff really that. I, you know, I've rightly paid the price for, been punished for. But there's also stepping away from boxing that people know what sort of person I am. I don't sit and talk about that side of things. I don't sit and, you know, brandish that I've done this, I've done that, and yeah. I would never would because it's pointless even doing it. You know, because one day it may be me in that position or it may be one of my kids in that position. I wouldn't want that to be talked about either. But my own doings of what people I've, I've put myself to be shot down for, not very good. Probably, you know... Why'd you put yourself in these situations, Bill? I sit across from you, right? And I think you're a nice fella, right? But you might be on your best behaviour. Yeah. But I look at these things, and I'm not really interested in um, trying to make you um, uh, sit here and apologise for things you've done, but some of the things that you've done don't make sense. You get involved with a police officer and, 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 and get some woman to punch someone in the face. You get someone to potentially do a sex act or punch someone in the face. You give a video out there of how to punch a woman in the face, and I'm looking at you thinking, 
why why would you do those things? What would put you in a position where you think that anything but harm is going to come to you? Because whilst I suspect you don't mean this situation of this is how you punch a woman in the face, it was your idea of what you might have thought was funny at the time. But it's almost like an act of self-harm. Do, do you know what, Simon? Being a professional athlete, now, you see these people that come back from the army, they're all a little bit, you know, they go away and they come back, they're not the same person. PTSD. Yeah, like boxing's a very... Sometimes you don't see the sides of danger. You don't see the sides of, you know, harmfulness of, of yourself. And you're thinking, all right, as long as no one ain't getting killed here or, or hurt here, oh, we'll have a laugh and go. But being young and dumb is probably the best thing that's ever, ever happened to me. Because, you know, my granddad said to me once, you know, when you know certain things has gone on, he said, look, if you're not young and dumb, you'll never be old and wise. And it's sort of at home a bit because, you know, looking back on the stuff I've done now, you know, for me kids, I've got one son who's 16. You know, I've got all my, all my sons now, they've got all these phones and YouTubes. It's embarrassing. Because they can see it. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And I'll, listen, people have rubbers on the end of pencils to erase stuff. Yeah, yeah. But in the digital age, you can't. And you can't. Yeah. And I look back at it and I think, do you know what? Looking back at it now, it's cringy. You look at it and you think, I can't even tell you what was going through my brain. You know, was it was it a touch of, was it going back to you? Was it a touch of, I don't know, arrogant, some sort of like brash? I don't know what it, I couldn't, I can't give you the excuse because it's so dumb. But do you look at you now look at it because I don't want to dwell on it because it has to come with a territory with you. Of I don't ask you these questions of people and I go, why are you asking these but questions? But you know what the weird thing is that people probably know me more for doing stupid things like that. Yeah, than, but, that's, but that's a shame though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Then then yeah. then some of my achievements. Yeah, like I, I I've met people and I go, oh yeah, you're the fellow that did that. You're the fellow who did that interview. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, you box as well. But that's the first thing they mention. I think they don't come and mention, oh, you're two weight world champ. You you know, thirty one fights, thirty wins. They've mentioned that, and then yeah. when you when you're driving, you're just sitting quiet, and you think about it. It's not very good, and it's something I can't arrange. But the only thing is, I can put it down to I've never been diagnosed with anything in my life, like with ADHD or anything like. But I've, I've sometimes my mind just goes blank, and it's just I don't know what it I don't know what it was. It was just young. I can only put it down as immature, bad behaviour, disgusting behaviour, to be honest. Mm. Because you know for what. The some of the things I've done at the time, it seemed. I'm not going to lie. It was seemed like the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. It seemed like there was the funniest thing in so the world. So did it come from a position of piss taking rather than malice? I think what it was, it was a group of young a men together yourself. in a few bits and uh, places, all having a laugh, dumb young thinking, and probably piss taking. Yeah. Probably just completely just. But it's not only piss taking. It's going to the next. It's best piss taking, having a yeah, laugh no, and a joke. I, I know what it is. And then there's you know, and and to just to put it out on video. I don't know what it was. I don't. I don't. I couldn't tell you now. Yeah. When I look back on it, listen. My son's got to watch that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? He's sixteen. Do you, Do you think now that stage of that judge? Because you said it was banter, right? But do you look at it now and go, that was stupid of me. That's not happening again. That stage in my life, I'm an older, wiser, more sensible person. 110%. And listen, it's easy for me to get on camera because, you know, people's going to watch because I'm very straight. I'm not going to say I'm never going to make a mistake in my life again. I can't no, say No, we're all going to make mistakes. It's the ones but that you're making. What I'm saying is that them mistakes would never never cross my path ever again. I'm a fan of Tyson Fury's. Yep. A huge fan of his. 
I think generationally, he's the best heavyweight uh, around. Yeah. I think he opened up the heavyweight division for everybody yep. by his performance against Vladimir Kitschko. It wasn't the greatest fight in the world to watch, but by Christ did he go and win it and no one thought he could. Yep. I think his performances against Deontay Wilder in all three fights were exceptional. I think he won all three. Yeah. He's your mate. Talk to me about him. He's a character, Tyson. He's um say that again. He he's a character. He's he knows what he's doing when it comes to selling a fight. Mm-hmm. He's um turned from the villain to the superhero. And I also think sometimes he don't really get the credit he deserves. I agree with that. He was, was a bit of an object of ridicule initially, wasn't he? Because, you know, he was the one that punched himself in the face and whatever else. But he was always the one. I loved the interviews he did when he was going to fight David Hay. Yeah. Took his pants down, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, David Hay's quite good in interviews. Yeah. I didn't think he saw Tyson coming in that interview, no, did he? No, not at all. Um, Tyson, he's just a one-off character. Listen, Tyson, he's got a good art. And um, myself, personally... I don't think there's an heavyweight out there to beat him. Who he's fighting next? Well, this is what I want to ask you. What's going on here? Who he's fighting next? My honest opinion of it is that it's a money fight. Of course it is. It's about the money for the promoters. It's about the money for Nganu. It's about yeah. the money for Tyson. It's about the it's generational wealth. Yeah, it is. And he's paid the price of getting in the ring fighting Steve Cunningham for $20,000 and going to spend it mm. on a fur coat as soon as he come out the ring. And getting knocked down in that fight. And getting knocked down. So, you know, this fella, if Tyson really wants to, it can be over in 30 seconds or less. But what do you think to it, Bill? Because Tyson's got the, the needle with me a little bit because I, he, whenever I was praising Tyson, he thought I was very fair. You've got um, to take criticism as well. And I know it, where you're coming but from. But he don't like it. Well, look, sadly, I don't like criticism. But, but if, you've it's got fair, to deal if, with if it's it. fair criticism. It's fair criticism. If you can take it. Look, at the end of the day, you know you're boxing. To a degree. Y you know you're boxing. You've been around yeah. it. You know about fights. You yeah. know what's a good fight, what's yeah. not a good fight. You've been around it enough yeah. to know, that. I and, know I, and that. and I respect it as well, by the way. And you respect the game. This, to me, you could tie one foot up and one hand up, and it's a one-sided fight for Tyson Fury. Oh, undeniable. It's a, it's uh, so undeniable. people know, but... I don't begrudge him this fight. But I'll tell you what you get now. This is the thing that a lot of things happening now in the sport, is that you've got a new viewing audience. You've got, you know, these... Who follows these YouTube boxing... I get it. And that's just... And they're, and they're looking at them, beasts from the east, this UFC fighter fighting get it. the six foot... I get it. Eight, Gypsy King, and what's going to happen? Is he going to get it on the chin? Is he... No... But I don't see. I don't have a problem with it, Bill, because I have. I know what it is. Frank sat there and said to me, "You need to get the bigger picture." I know what a bigger picture is. They're trying to get a relationship with the Middle Eastern guys. Eddie thinks he's got one. He hasn't yet because he can't make the fights. Frank thinks he's got a, a relationship now by opening this door. He puts this on. He opens this door. He's got a proper relationship with the people in Saudi. He can then make the big fights that are the proper grown-up fights that people want to see. But my problem with it is, is he hasn't fought anybody of any substance in the last eighteen months. He's the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, which is arguably the, the blue chip strap, right? It's the one that everybody wanted once upon a time. And he's fought Dillian White. Fair, in fairness, he was the mandatory. Cleaned his clock. It was easy. Four rounds of totally being outclassed. Then fights Derek Tazora so he can give Derek Tazora a pension. No more fights since then. And everyone listens to Frank saying that's because no one gives makes Tyson Fury an offer. When he makes them an offer, they don't want to take it. 
But we're in a stage now where Tyson's fighting for this big bag of money. Fantastic, earn it. Go and get it. And if it, if it's if it, if if you're holding him up for six rounds just to make it look better, okay, that's what it is. But he's now talking about saying, "I'll go and fight John Jones in the octagon." And he's now being given this dispensation to keep the WBC belt rather than say, Tyson, you haven't fought for, you, you won't have fought, fought a meaningful fight for over a year. Yeah. And the belt's being held up and you're not doing anything with it. And it, to me, it seems such a waste. It's only a finite amount of time you guys have got. He's not getting any younger. When it comes to the belts, is that, let's just say for an argument's sake, uh, I don't know who his manager is. Let's just say for it's Daniel Dwyer. Let's just say that. For Daniel fighting for that belt. And he ain't got a mandatory. The mandatory was going to be Deontay Wilder or Andy Ruiz. All right, let's and just they say Andy make Ruiz. That fight. Let's just say Andy Ruiz. If Andy boxes, the WBC out of 5% will probably earn 15, 25. Oh, let's just say, let's just put an argument and say $100,000. Mm -hmm. When Tyson boxes for it, they'll earn probably a million dollars. Yeah, something like that. Like it's just completely chalk and cheese. And sometimes these organisations can be a little bit persuaded by them figures. What's he like, Tyson? I mean, I've met him on a few occasions, and I really liked him. Personality, charisma, energy, messaging on points. And then I've seen the other side of him outside the ring when Joe Joyce has beaten Joseph Parker. And he's hogging all the attention with Derek Chisora while Joe Joyce is in the ring having had his face punched in for a period of time by Joseph Parker and Tyson's taken all the attention. And I've seen the silly outbursts on social media and getting all aggressive with people because he doesn't like the criticism. You know him. Look, I can't really speak of of what pushes his boat and what don't pushes his boat, but he sort of made a, a career out of being the person off the cuff and, you know, funny, doing these things. He's and, funny, isn't he? And, you know... But to you, you probably look at it, you know, you're a bit old school, you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, but to the young people, younger generation, he's sort of got this. It's very hard to get the younger generation's attention, attention. Yeah. coming through. He sort of captured that. Now, what he's done, how he's done it is, is, is magnificent. It's unbelievable how he's done it. But he's a very strange individual at times. In what way? In, is that because of his bipolarity or is it, or what? Well, I'll give you an example. When he, when I first... When I first um, brought him to Spain, he was going to do a... He was telling me he was going to be some car salesman, whatever he was going to do. Right. And I said to him, Tyson, are you, are you thick? What, what, what's your problem? Are you okay? What do you mean you're going to go... I'm, he's going to go to Ireland and sell some cars. And I said, get yourself on a plane, come over here, get yourself training, lose a bit of weight, go and get yourself a few million quid. I'll book you a flight, come over, my bear. I'm waiting at the airport. And all of a sudden, he's come out of this same sort of sh shirts he wears, <laughs> this big round straw hat. I'm looking at him, I thought, fuck me, look at the size of him. I'm just looking at him. He's about 27 stone, and he's just sweating it. Oh, oh, and he's undone this tin of drink, and I grabbed the drink out of his hand, and the little glass thing, chucked it in the bin. I said, right, if you come in here, like, we're training here, like, got him in. And then he was loving it for a week, and then he started talking about killing himself. And I remember saying to him, Tyson, your son, like your kids, you've got more you. value in life than this. Yeah, like, can you imagine, like your kids looking back now? And I remember the conversation having with him, sitting in the front room, and uh, I'm not saying he it was because of me or he took notes of me, but I get up. I said, look, we we'll get up in the morning, we we'll go for a run, but give it a day or so, you'll be all right. 
And then he ran, he, thought he was walking first of all, he tried a little run and then he walked. Then he'd done his interview with Gareth Davis, the first interview he'd done. Then he was just, he just manifested into a training freak and just loved mm. his training every day, every day, every day. And he had to fly home for a week. He come back out with his training again and he just cracked on. Is he a decent man? He is a decent man, yeah. yeah. There's no harm in him. Everyone's got their ways. Like We're all different, yeah. Yeah, everyone's got their ways, but there's no harm in him. Like There ain't no harm in him. Do you think he will fight all those that he needs to fight to cement his legacy? No matter what you what he says and what he don't say, yeah, and the shit he put out, he doesn't need to. He does that for. I know a reaction. he doesn't need to. Yeah, when he says he doesn't need to, I ain't got to fight this one. He does that for a reaction. Okay, so you do trust you think me. Here fight Joshua. Here fight Usyk. Here fight whoever there is need to fight. But I will gamble them two fighters, Joshua and Usyk, will one million percent happen. And the outcomes? I think Usyk calls any heavyweight, any heavyweight and any fighter on the planet, serious problems. But Tyson Fury, you know, he's got the key to his lock. He's a different level. I think I think Tyson will ragdoll him, quite it, frankly. I, it, won't be, it won't be a one-sided beatdown. Do you not think? It won't be a one-sided beatdown, not for at least to six rounds is out the way. Then maybe so. But for six rounds, Usyk is a dodgy, dodgy, dodgy customer. And I've told Tyson yeah. this. Do you know that the first fight he made of Wilder, mm -hmm. I was in training in Sheffield and he rang me up. He said, right, they've offered me Wilder. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? He said, be honest. I said, do you want me to, be the, do you want me to tell you the truth? He went, yeah. I went, if you don't let him hit you, you will beat him mm. all day long. Box his ears off. All you got to do is be fit, box, and you beat him easy. Do you reckon? He said, I said, I don't reckon, I know. And he can call me a liar and come out and say, oh, yeah, he's lying. This is dead the words I said to him. I said, but you don't want to be taking none of them shots. Get fit. Don't get it. You win easy. Take it. And he took it and he done it. Like, yeah. and so he, you think he beats who's sick? Do you think he beats Anthony? I think he beats Anthony. Do you know what? I, <clears throat> I really, really rate Anthony, Joshua. Yeah. I remember watching him. He, he watched me win the Southern Area title and I boxed. I, I talked to him after I boxed. But, he lets himself down. Do you think he's done, Bill? Because I, I speak to a lot of the fighters and they all say, Bam McGuigan said it, we were saying, a, a fighter knows something about another fighter. They know when they know when a fighter, that light's gone out in their eyes, where they don't want to put themselves in the way of jeopardy and, they, and they've gone away from the, the what it takes to win a fight. And he said, and I look at Anthony Joshua and I think, no, nah, he don't want to get hurt. He wants to stay out of range. And the very things that put him in a position, he's not prepared to do anymore. I would love him to prove me wrong, mm -hmm. but I think the same. Yeah. but And I'm not saying he can't come back from that. Difficult place to come back from, though, isn't it? Because once it's, it's gone, very, it's gone, isn't it? It's a, do you know what, though? The thing is that I think a fighter knows when that's happened. Look, I'm not, I'm not coming back. Obviously, look, I'll come back and I'll have a fight and the money comes with it, like we said earlier on. But I'm coming back because I've had the sick of, like, I've, I've got... Is this what I'm going to do? For the well, this is what I'm going to ask you now, because this, this is the final part now, which is you. And Finn, we've you talked about Tyson, we've talked about all your experiences, but the final question that I want to ask you is, are you played in hide-and-seek with everybody? Because are you coming back? Um, is it something you want to do? Is it something you need to do? Is it something you're going to do? Is it, are you coming back at light heavy? Are you coming back at super middle? What, what, what are you going to do, really going to do, Billy? I have to come back. You have to come back. I have to. Well, is that bullshit because you're sitting in front of a TV camera? No, no, no. Or is it no. because I'll you... I'll be honest. Well, no, so, listen, if it is, you can say, Billy Joe, do you know what? You talked a load of shit and I want you to say that to me. Mm. I have to come back because 
I've been boxing mentally since I've been five year old. Yeah. Since I've been five years old, take away injuries. If I've had a year out the gym or two years out the gym because of, you know, for not wanting to do it or something like that's a lot. From, from I've been boxing since I've been five years old. I needed that break so much. Right. Probably got a bit comfortable of it. You know, a bit too comfortable in a way. Put on a bit of weight. You know, enjoyed life. I do, I, do you know what? I am 34-year-old. I've never been on holiday. Right. I've been all over the world boxing. I've been all over the world training, but I've never actually been on holiday ever in my life. Well, but wouldn't that make you a bit soft, though? Soft? Yeah. What, going on holiday? No, but the lifestyle. Once you get a few quid, you made a few quid out of the Canelo, a proper money out of the Canelo Avarice fight. You've been out of it for two and a half years. Getting back in, hard, isn't it? Do you know what? I've never been more determined. I've been going in the gym every single other day and bring fighting un, sparring undefeated fighters that have all been up there, eight rounds, ten rounds, and I'm thinking, fuck me, like that's why I took a lot away from the Canelo. I took a lot away from the Canelo fight because I think, do you know what? He's the baddest man on the planet here, and I didn't feel out of comfort. No one really mm. can beat me then, apart from this. Then if that's the case, all right, he beat me fair and square, but no one ain't going to beat me. Like I've been tested. I know that my own self, but. I have to do it because, I, like you, I, you, people can deteriorate with mental health with other yeah. stuff, and I'm not going to bang on that drum the same as everyone else. Oh, because everybody gets down, you know. Everybody, you can fall into it. But a it's difficult bad for you place. guys, isn't it? Though, because once you come out of the sport, people forget you, and life changes. You've walked in front of seventy-five thousand people, or however many. Do you know was. what? Though? I'm not really worried about people forgetting me, like or anything like that. It's more of a, a fact of myself, what it, what it probably saying. Have one best performance of your life where, you know, you can show what you have got and then be done with it. When? I'm going to fight in December. Are you? Yep. I'm yeah. going to fight in December. Look, I'm not going to say I'm going to come. No, me and Eddie's, um, we won't have a You're going to go back with Eddie, are you? going to go back with yeah. Eddie, yep. In what weight class? I'll probably fight at 12-6, 12-5. I'm not going to say I'm going to fight a superstar. Have a little run out. Get the ball rolling pick the opponent up and then look for the biggest fights he can bring me and then see where I'm at. I only want four fights, three or four fights, but I'm probably going to, I'm looking now to build a career around boxing because this walking away, look, you know yourself, you're mm. successful, man. Mm -hmm. You can do all property, you can do this. Yeah, you, but it you doesn't know, satisfy you, do, does it? What, what is, do you know yeah. what I mean? Look, look, no disrespect, you don't need to sit here. You're no, not no. doing this for me. Look, do you know what I mean? It's just something what's probably keeping you yeah, something absolutely. to do and no, you know, know, you're giving know, other people yeah. opportunity absolutely. to get somewhere and I need something to be involved in boxing it's an hard sport just to forget about and to walk away. I'm not worried about me being known or it's seen. It's a way of life, isn't it? It's just a way of, yeah, it's mm. just my way of life since I've been five and it's hard just to walk away now. But so we're definitely going to see you out in December. You are, yeah. 100%. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Billy Jess Saunders. Thank you very much. Thank you for being so upfront with me. Thank you. Pleasure. Upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.